E aí galera, meu nome é Sango, a.k.a. Kai Wright, uh, do Selection do Seattle, Washington, é fazendo beat, eu sou o produtor também, eu sou o pai, parabéns para mim, <risos> pela, pela família, uh, meu português não é perfeito, mas... But you understand, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, this, you can keep that, but I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> One more time. One more time. Welcome to another episode of the Nostalgia Mixtape. On this episode, we've got one of my favorite beat makers, Sango. But to tell the story of how Sango and I met, we need to rewind a little bit. We gotta go back to my freshman year of college when I had probably like the most unhygienic roommate of all time. I'm gonna spare you all the details, but it was really gross. I had made friends with these dudes, David, Jeff, and Tony at orientation, and I hit them up after a semester of living with this guy, and I was like, guys, I, I can't do this. Like, can I just come crash on your couch for a night? Like, I need a break. And one night on the couch turned into two nights, two nights turned into a week. After a week, I think it was Tony who said, you know, dude, why don't you just get your stuff and like live with us for the rest of the semester? And that's exactly what I did. They basically like saved me. They saved my freshman year and totally changed my life without being too dramatic. And it's cool to see where we've all gone since then. Tony is an auditor, which is cool because I feel like, you know, like we all talk about tax evasion, but how many of us talk to an auditor? Please don't audit me, Tony. Tony's brother, Sean, by the way, hooked us up with a rental car for this trip to Seattle. So shout out to Sean. Jeff, the other roommate, is a director who goes by Vash. His first music video he ever did was for XXYYXX. It's the song About You, which went viral almost instantly. And since then, he has found work in New York as, uh, as a director and producer, and he's really good at it. And David, you may know either from his solo work uh, as D-Pat, the producer, or from his work in a group called Sonder. And David is really essential to the story because in 2012, our last semester of college, he had produced a song for Wiz Khalifa called Remember You, featuring The Weeknd. I was already in Los Angeles. David was out here taking meetings, as he should, and he would bring me by the Selection headquarters. There was this guy named Joe Kay who really wanted David to be on the label Selection. And I definitely remember not totally getting it at first. Like, I was of the opinion that David was good enough on his own. He didn't need a label. He didn't need help. Like, he could do it. And then shortly thereafter, I totally got where the vision was going. And um, Selection is obviously now kind of ubiquitous. But it was somewhere in there. I don't remember if it was at one of the Selection residency shows at Echoplex or at Selection headquarters or at some kickback or at Roscoe's. I can't remember. Sango was there. David introduced me to Sango. And he immediately struck me as a very down-to-earth guy. And someone you could joke with, someone you could talk about the world with, and that's important. It's important to stay friends with people like that because life's too short to hang out with people who give you anxiety. So when I started this podcast, I hit up Sango and I said, hey man, like if I fly out to Seattle, would you do an episode with me? Kind of knowing that I don't hear a lot of Sango interviews. And sure enough, Sango said, yeah man, come on up. So me and Jasmine came up, and uh, Jasmine Chen, and we recorded our episode of Sango in Seattle. So let's let him introduce himself. What's up, guys? This is Kai, a.k.a. Sango. I'm a producer and a father of one son. I'll have to say some good news today is my grandfather just turned 73 today. Wow. Happy birthday. Yeah. That's beautiful. He's thriving. <laughs> he's got a lot of energy for being 73. Yeah. That's dope. He can, he's like walking around and everything. Walking. I just got him some new walking shoes. 
What'd you get him? None other than Adidas. <laughs> Some NMDs. Wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. he, lo he loves, he loves, he walks every morning, early morning. So he needed that. He he needed some shoes. He's walking around like with some old school joints. So, what's it, what's Grandpa's name? Alandis. Happy birthday to Grandpa Alandis. Yeah, happy That's birthday. Uh... If we hop in the DeLorean and we go back to. 16, 17 year old Kai, like who are we meeting? Like who are you at that time? An athlete, mm -hmm. like a straight up college, like not college, high school. Like I ran a lot of track, cross country. My whole family was like full of runners and stuff. So always had like something in my like my uh, my sand disc, mm -hmm. like MP3 player, changing it every day. Like never satisfied with like what I like upload into it. That was me, like a music nerd. Just really wanted to like find the next thing. I had a moment in time at, at that, that year. I was just listening to all acapellas. Mm -hmm. I would just download acapellas and just listen to them. Like I used to listen to <laughs> "Heartless" yeah. by Kanye, acapella, more than the original. Wow. I was just like in the night, you know, like just straight up. Wow. On that, and that's how I got into like mashing up songs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like on Virtual DJ, mm -hmm. I would like take those lyrics. Put it on like my beats or somebody else's beats, instrumentals, mm -hmm. and then that's when like my that's like my DJ career may have began. Like me, just you know messing with that type of stuff. But I was really like, I was really just like, I don't know if I had a girlfriend at the time. I probably did, but I was really into my music, really into my sports. Mm -hmm. School was cool. I mean, you know, whatever. You were doing it. I was doing it. I had good yeah. grades. I, I didn't. I wasn't failing nothing. I yeah. had like what a A's. Like A minuses, that's B, better than me. Yeah, B. <laughs> better than I. Do. Maybe maybe like a maybe like a B minus, but I was, nonetheless I was I was a good student. But I was really um I was a good I was out of all my friends I was a good kid that was responsible that was like took everybody to parties in my mom's van. Yeah, because they were like secretly drink and I didn't, didn't drink. You were the DD. Yeah, yeah. Same. So I was a good kid that got taken advantage of his kindness a lot at sixteen and seventeen. I yeah. was just like a chill. Yeah, man, I'm just here to just, just hang out. <laughs> and where? And this was where? Where this, are we now? This is in Grand Rapids, Michigan, man. Uh, Michigan. I, I grew up in uh, suburbs of that city called Kentwood. That was like a such a good place to live when it came to like family stuff and like just having friends and having like a good amount of friends and like just always. It was like a movie. It was like. Mm -hmm. Like a PG version of American Pie. It's mm -hmm. just like, yeah, we go to parties and then, you know, we, we go to school and it's just like. So a lot of trees every, in your neighborhood? Like, what a lot of trees, like? a lot of dogs, you know, like yeah. it was like. When, we, when I first moved there, I was like, mom, like, there's no litter. Like, it's so clean and like, people have garages. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's, they have cars in it. Usually, garages here, like, you know, in Seattle, somebody got something like storage, it's just extra room right. for storage, you know, nobody's like. Cutting the grass here, it just rains, and then like, that's it. That's the end of it. So like, Michigan was like very, very homey and like very just, I don't know, like, Family Guy, you mm -hmm. know, like I've like straight out of a Family Guy episode, you know, or like that '70s show, real suburb, <laughs> like yeah, uh, okay, that makes sense. And then you said you're really into acapellas. Let's talk about Heartless, for example. Mm -hmm. Like, what part of Heartless acapella do you really like? Talking, 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 talk. That part. Yeah. Like, that, yo, Ye's tripping, man. Like, Ye was, <laughs> Ye was tripping with, like, he was so, like, fearless with his approach to that album, which is, like, the, my favorite album by Kanye. It Always Heartbreaks is my favorite album by Kanye. Like, hands down. Mainly because of how, like, it's the same type of vulnerability that Jay gave on 444 mm. that Kanye gave mm. as a rapper. Because usually, and like Kanye, he wasn't seen as like a hip hop, like, yo, you gotta be hard. He was like, he already had that about him, like, you know, backpack rapper, like vulnerability, like emotions and stuff. So mm -hmm. he even took that further by singing and like he can't sing and put auto tune right. on his voice and it just sometimes it sounded kind of weird. But overall, like, that was like a monumental album of my life when it came to like 
song structure, how to structure a song, uh, emotion, and like the way Kanye sampled in that in that album was like really revolutionary. And you saw people doing that after that, like treating their music like 808s and Heartbreaks. But Heartless, it, that was not my favorite song off the album. Mine's probably Coldest Winter. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just like it was like yo live live in Michigan first of all yep. experience winter that album came out in like November yep. of that year we were playing it from December all the way to like March when it snowed it snowed in April really so we were like we were like driving my I was driving my uncle's truck and like half a feet of snow yeah you know really really bad outside playing like cold as winter like driving home from a party. Like two in the morning, like my parents don't know where I am. I'm just saying I'm with my friends, yeah. but like they trust me enough. To like I, I wasn't out wilding and stuff. I was just driving, like I said, driving. Yeah. Um, emotionally, it was like a very somber, like driving. Okay, like 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 picture this: you're like a designated driver, three in the morning. You're driving like four kids home. You got to, you got to go to different houses. They're all messed up. They're all messed up, but you're not. Yeah. Everybody, some people might be sleep. Somebody might be like. Kind of just out of it. It's kind of quiet. Yeah, you're just the only one that's just like kind of awake. Obviously. Yeah. And then the coldest winter comes on. That's how so the song starts out. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then what's the first line? No. And it's like a call and response to himself. Memories. It's like a sample from uh, the police. He sampled. Police? I don't know who he sampled. But long story short, it was like a very like lonely song driving like and you're in the suburbs you're not in the city you're like there's like street lights that's it shout out to the street lights street that, I think that song I think that song comes after, after uh, Coldest Winter if yeah. I'm not mistaken street lights comes on right after Coldest Winter or before or whatever but dark just driving maybe around some cornfields like just winter cold so like that album was crazy but what got me into like discovering the instrumentals or the acapellas was um I was just interested in like I was a I I like I was like addicted to hearing famous artists like without a beat because like, mm-hmm. all their flaws are showing mm-hmm. you know sometimes you might even hear like some recording that didn't that didn't get cut out like some some like their chains moving or something like that or like Wayne always had his like cup sipping or like he was smoking <laughs> or something I'm here to talk about more life one second. So like it was very real. So I, I would listen to that like because I enjoyed the realness of that and the rawness. So yeah, that's dope. So you said you were listening to, you had an MP3 player. You weren't doing the you weren't doing the Walkman. Nah, that was I was I graduated from that. Okay. That was like I got rid of Walkman when that was probably like two thousand like maybe two thousand like six. Now I was going I was going in high school. And then you got the MP3 player. Had an MP3 player. And those are like, yeah. you can get that at Target for like, at that time, like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. It was like, I didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough money to get a Zune mm-hmm. or like an iPod. So we had the MP3 players. And was it one of those ones where it was like, you didn't have any playlists, it was just on shuffle? Yo, it was like, literally, it was like a legit, like a <laughs> flash drive with a screen, yeah. bro. Yeah. Like, in like a couple buttons. And like you can only hold like a hundred songs on that mug, and like so you had to have a good hundred songs. And you were forced, yeah. Like I had like Daddy Yankees album on there. Uh, I had like um, Yo Shock Value by Timbaland, underrated album. I actually sampled that like part of that uh, the bounce song on like the uh, yeah the laugh. Oh, the, the laugh like Timbaland's crazy with the samples. But I sampled that recently in the beat. Yeah, man, and, and like and like I would keep my beats on there too. I'll I'll mm. keep like I'll load like about. Maybe like fifty beats and like fifty like actual songs I like. So like I'll play my beats for people like around high school. Like yo, I'm selling these beats. Yo, mm. I got beats. Yo, uh, borrow my. We wanna borrow my um flash drive. Not my, <laughs> basically, you wanna borrow my flash right, drive. Right. Borrow my MP3 player for like two classes. Yo, I got I got gym class, bro. Uh, we or I listen to music. All right, just you know, pick some beats. Let me know. <laughs> Write them down and then like let me know what's good on the beats. So I was so I would, like try to sell beats with that. That's uh, cool. Luckily, I had good friends and good enough people that like they would give it back after school. After school. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to up this off of him, but nah, that was like my bread and butter growing up, like my high school life, like just Kid Cudi, 
mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't Man on the Moon. That was before that. Pre-Man on the Moon. It was with Tin Deep. It okay. was free. That was back then when you like had to go on the website. When people like, were Karma on Loop, websites. Karma Loop days, you know, like, yo, yeah. uh, I'm about to buy some Tim Deep and like Crooks and Castles and like LRG. And a mixtape. And a mixtape. <laughs> and then you get it shipped. Wale. Or like you go go to your Play local back. like sneaker boutique and like pick it up. Email. Email. Boo, cutty, get you funk Hit you in your head, then it work it to your rump Hating niggas can't hate, leave them all stump They gotta like a nigga, call me Obama Not a hype beast, why you beast for the hype? Yeah, I'm the underdog, story of my life Matter of fact, I dream that I live twice Once as a slave who imagined being free And made it out That was like my bread and butter in high school Like, like producer, like producer me mm-hmm. I was like really hustling I was a I was an athlete, but I was really hustling to like, just like get people to like listen to like my music and my ideas. So the only way, the only way I could do that is like by making those mashups. Mm-hmm. I would make mashups and put them on CDs, and like people have them at parties. I still have them on my computer. So it'd be like your beat with someone else's acapella. My sometimes my beat, sometimes other people's beats. So like one one of my famous ones was I had a diva beat mm-hmm. and I mixed it with Millie. Okay. Same, I think Bangladesh made the same, made both of those beats. But like, people are like, oh wow, this is like, hey, this ain't Millie. But this is like, this isn't a diva. This is a mixture. And they're like, yo, make more. So I made like four of them. And then it got kind of old and stuff. But like, I got my name around like high school. Mm-hmm. And like, people are like, yo, hit up Kai for like parties. Like, he'll give you a, a playlist for like a good two hours. High school was way, way like better than college for me. If I had to choose. And most people, they're like, I love college better. Like, no, nah, college was depressing. Mm-hmm. College was like, I had no sleep. I worked too much. Mm-hmm. I was like, besides getting like engaged, other than that, it was just like a big blur of like just tire, tiresome mm-hmm. eating sandwiches and like mm-hmm. bootleg chicken meals. Yep. <laughs> like Wendy's. Nah, I'll take high school uh, any day. College day. How did Daft Punk come into your life? Daft Punk. Uh, I, I used to call him Daft Punk because I used to yeah. watch Punk. <laughs> like okay. MTV Punk. Yeah. But Daft Punk came in my life when I saw a video on MTV. One more time? One more time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah one more time. Yeah. So the one more time video, I saw it late night. It was like, I was like probably watching Boondocks and then like I switched, switched over to like MP, M, MP3, MTV. Yeah. And... Uh, Saw it, I was like, yo, is this anime? What is this? What they got? MTV got anime? Mm-hmm. And it was like a music video. I was like, this is hard. I was like, this, this looks like some like old Sailor Moon stuff. I was into like anime at the time. Mm-hmm. Like not heavy, but like, you know, I messed with it. And I feel like if you produce if you're a producer and you don't like anime, you something's really weird with you. <laughs> but I saw that late night and I was like, this is hard. And I woke my brother up out of his sleep. I was like, yo, what is this? You know what it is? Oh, that's Def Punk. That's Def Punk. He went back to bed. Yeah. Daft Punk. And then like a couple like weeks later, I was like, yo, remember that video that came on again? Who is that? Oh, yeah. I actually downloaded, you know, legally. Yeah. The album, won it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, he like gave me like, this was like when the times when you had like, you sync your iPod to your computer. Mm-hmm. And whenever you, whatever you plug up to your computer, you're stuck with that sync and you're stuck with that, those music, like that, that library. Yep. So like pretty much. I would try to steal my like music from him, and it didn't it didn't work because I had to like delete all my stuff from my iPod. So like we figured it out, you know, go to C drive and like go to the library, select artists, get your flash drive, dump all the files yeah. on there wherever you need. So we would, he gave me that, and he gave me like Lupe Fiasco, the cool album, and then like from then on, I just listened to it, and I was like, yo, I'm about to like step it up. I'm about to like start remixing this stuff. That was the first time I ever remixed anything. So like. That changed my life because it it made it motivated me to like listen to like pr- production in a way where I can like it could be like dude there had no lyrics it was just like one more it's just like that was it it was yeah. like damn near a sample yeah. uh, it's probably one was one of them singing it but like it wasn't like a you know chorus and bridge and like it's nothing too crazy it was like you know a couple 
couple, you know, lyrics here and there. And I was like, yo, you can like make music and not have a face mm-hmm. and not necessarily have like proper choruses and verses and bridges and hooks and still like have a hit. Obviously, that was a hit. So I was like, I'm about to start making music like this. Mm-hmm. Like listening, to, listening to Daft Punk and listening to like Flying Lotus and then listening to like, I guess like Tori Moi. Those were like the three steps of me like really like understanding like the format of what I want to become. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you want to be a DJ that is an artist as well and you want to like produce and like be known as one and the other, you know? So mm-hmm. that's that's how I came in my life, man. Which Daft Punk album is it? That, that album's called Discovery. And their first album's called Homework. Okay, yep. That's and most most people, they don't know. They don't about know about that. Homework. They know about Discovery and, then yeah. they don't, and that's it. And they didn't know about this, the joint with Lucky on it. Yep. That's the only two albums that people know about, like Daft Punk. Uh, talk to me about some of the other songs on Discovery, other than One More Time. Something About Us. That's such a groove. Um, I actually have, a, like, when I remixed it, I took some lyrics from, I forget what song, and there was, like, a section of that song that had, like, break, and I added his lyrics on it. It was just like, I was like, yo, I'm going to start remixing stuff for real now. This is, like, it. This is it. So that's all, that's my favorite song off the album. Something about us. It. it was like, and I didn't even, I didn't even like attempt to make like funky music like that, like dance. Like I was just into it. I would like listen to that and then go back to make like Timbaland <laughs> sounding like beats, you know. Yeah. So it was just like a new aspect of like how to produce, and like I was really into that. Um, but that punk discovery was like that one that made me just turn up as a producer. Like just like I'm about to just go hard. Like. I can't be left in the dust. Like this is like otherworldly. When I was when I was like trying to figure out how to take my music to the next level, keep in mind I'm like in high school. I'm like, what's next? I'm th- bro. I'm, I was thinking like I was already on or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. what's my next? What, what are people gonna want to hear? What people? Who? Like what? Your mom? <laughs> the kid like, in the cafeteria? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know, I thought I thought that. That's the way I thought. I had a level of confidence, but it wasn't like. I was an unsure confidence. I was like, mm, maybe, <laughs> but let me just try it. So that was like the next thing I wanted to do. I wanted to like remix, remix something. And that, that Daft Punk album was something that I should have remixed a long time ago, but it took me a little while to do it. But I did it. And during that process, I, I remixed the whole album. It wasn't just a couple of So you songs. remixed Discovery. I remixed Discovery all, what, like, like wow. 10 songs? Yeah. I think it's 10 songs. Let's see, 14. 14 songs. <laughs> I, I 14 songs. Okay. But pretty much, like, during that process, it took me, like, what, like, two weeks to do? Wow. I, I had time, dude. I was, like, a college student. You're on a PC or on a Mac? A shared desktop that everyone had. Like a big old computer with a big monitor? Yeah. That De- situation? Uh, it was a Dell. Dell. Dude. Dell computer that my dad bought. For us to not break, because someone was watching porn. Yeah. On the older one, and broke it. it wasn't me, bro. Wasn't me. <laughs> Mom, I'm telling you, like someone was watching it. It wasn't me. Our theory, my me and my brother think it was one of our friends. Damn. That came over. I was watching it. it was I definitely a- ruined one of my parents' computers for sure. Yeah. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. But <laughs> I ruined. I ruined that. The, I ruined the computer that we had. That I'm speaking of, though. Oh, okay. Because I was um. I was an internet nerd and stuff like that, or computer nerd, and I tried to like, it was kind of like when, um, around that time when Windows XP was upgrading to like Windows Vista, mm-hmm. and I wanted Vista so bad, but I couldn't get it, so I like, I just like downloaded the bootleg version and I messed up the computer. Nice. I was like, mm, broke. <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah, we had to do one or two things. We had to reboot it and lose everything, or just keep it and run with it, but we rebooted it and lost everything. So and you I, take like the acapellas... That you like listening to, you put that over Daft Punk, or I just no, I straight up remixed it. I took the, oh, I, like you chopped I, it up. I chopped the songs up. I would add like little textures over it. Like I would add like when I added Andre uh, 2000's vocals on that right. something about his remix. I did that. The most int- the most hardest part I, about that process was that like I didn't know how far to take a song to call it a remix. Right. I didn't know if it was just like adding a couple things, or if it was like totally deconstructing it different tempo so i did track one track two track three i was like okay now i'm figuring this out maybe like by 
track 14, it ended up being a totally new song. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how I kind of figured out the limits of like what a remix is. Like, because you don't want to get to a point where you're sampling. Like, okay, for example, if you remix, if you, if Jay Z samples a song, is that a remix to an old 70s song? Right. Or is that his song? Right. You know what I mean? So, like, or is it, is it up to us to call it that? Right. Or is, essentially, is everything a remix? Everything's a remix. Exactly. So, <laughs> All right. I want to pause the podcast right here because it's a big deal that Sango let us hear his first ever remixes. These are like, I don't know, this is like a scientist's first experiment. Um, so it's definitely a privilege. It's interesting, though, that Sango's idea to remix Daft Punk wasn't apparently triggered by Kanye's sampling of Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, which is another track from Discovery, on his Grammy-winning song, Stronger. Um, I'm sure Sango had heard the song, but according to him, it was his brother in those anime videos that inspired him. And so it's like he kind of went straight to the source. He didn't need Kanye to get this idea. It's kind of cool. The first one here is Night Vision. On this one, he samples Andre 3000's verse from Outcasts, The Art of Storytelling. Check it out. Okay, now here's something about us. The Sango remix, featuring a sample of Kanye's verse from the remix to Lil Wayne's smash hit, Lollipop. This one's crazy for me personally because I had actually never heard Kanye's uh, remix, or at least his verse on the remix. That song, the original version, was everywhere. Like, we listened to it on our way to prom, it was like a huge part of our high school parties at the time, but I never knew there was a remix with Kanye West. That's crazy to me. Anyway, check out Sango's remix right here. And finally, here's Sango's remix of Too Long which is the last song on Daft Punk's Discovery album. He took this track and made it into like a dancey house song. And it's, it's amazing that that idea was in his head. So yeah, so these are basically the three songs that were the catalysts for Sango's career. These were the ones that gave him the confidence to do more remixes. That was your first time doing remixes, like very. That was my very first time doing remixes. That's crazy. It was don't know the year. Yeah, it was young, young me. It was like what I was in. Who knows? I was like what sophomore college, sophomore high school. That's so crazy. The only one memory I remember from that is going to Chicago mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving to see my family, and I played it for my family in the car. Mm-hmm. I was like, I burned the disc. I was like, Dad, check this out. I made, I made all this, and I forgot to explain that it was remixes. I just made it, and it sounded like, what is, what is this? What is this? Like, this is what you're making? It sounds like I don't know. I remixed it. Oh, what's remix? What is this? So I had to explain to them, but they really loved it. And I was, wow. like, I was like really inspired by that. So it was, a, it was a good time in my life as a musician to like discover that. It was like I would say like doing that remix and discovery. Mm-hmm. 
is equivalent to like when I first started when I first downloaded FL Studio, mm-hmm. or equivalent to me like downloading Reason, or equivalent to me like figuring out how to rem- how to like uh, DJ live on Ableton. That's like a milestone in my life as a producer. It was like I learned how to do this now. It's like a a new chapter. It was like it's like a shoot like a, equivalent to like karate belts, you know? Wow, that's so that's mm-hmm. so great. So mm-hmm. so the Daft Punk album Discovery that was like that. You figured out how to remix based on that album. I figured out how to remix. I figured out how to just how to be an artist because those guys they were artists. Mm-hmm. They were they were producers and DJs, dude. Like mm-hmm. selling records. Yeah, that's it. That's what they were doing. They didn't need like some vocalist to like lead them to to you know to success. It's two dudes from France making music, vocals or not, they're they're killing it. That's so cool. You know, but like pretty much, I want to go back to the like the album cover because mm-hmm. the album covers are really big. In my life, right. that's how I got into music in general. Like just looking at album covers, like staring at like Michael Jackson's album covers, and like mm-hmm. one of the most memorable album covers I remember is uh, what's the second Tricar Quest album? It's not Low End Theory, not Low End Theory. It's the second one, or it's the third, it might be the third one. Midnight Marauders with all the faces on it. Beach Rhymes and Life. Okay, there's a figure on there. Yeah, it looks scary as hell. Yeah, I'm like, what is that? Like, it's like a, a really dark album cover. Like, yeah, it looks it looks like dystopic. Yeah, I, it's like equivalent to people, you know, like pe- people that grew up in the '80s and stuff. This is a scary album cover. Yeah, it's a scary album. It's a scary album. That cover. doesn't look like happy things are happening. So pretty much, you know, how people be like, "Yo, when I first saw Thriller, I was like shook." Oh man, that's equivalent. Like, wow, that album cover, like Beast Rhyme and Life album cover, is equivalent to like this, this, like the how scared I was. Yeah, but I was. And like, that was that was when Dilla first first recorded with tribe i was listening to dilla early didn't okay. know it i didn't i didn't you know i didn't know who dilla was till i was in college okay but i knew how it was beat all those beats exactly how i was too i was like dude, who's jay dilla dude like uh all the stuff you be listening to exactly like, you're a common yeah dilla yep you're at a, you're at a Busta rhymes yeah dilla what slum village dilla what just so blo- mind blown but that's how I got into like music in general, like as a as a young age, just like looking at album covers and like that album cover particularly was like I was shook, bro. I was like, what is this? Like, and then like get a hold came on and it was like drifting, 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 bro. I was like, oh, this is hard. I was like four to five years old, bro. I was like just loving it. And my dad had like under under our TV, he had, he kept all the CDs. I was just opening and like look at discs. It was that one. It was like. Michael, Jack- Michael Jackson's Dangerous album with the circus joint. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, Michael Jackson's album's a flaw. His album covers, bro, what? Amazing. <laughs> he had, I think his, my, my favorite Michael Jackson album cover has to be uh, either Thriller or History. You know the History album? Is History the one where it's like, like all, it's like royal and like, it's like gold all over it? That's, that's Dangerous album. That's Dangerous. Oh, okay. It's okay. like, it looks like a circus and he has like yeah, his yeah, eyes yeah. and stuff. The mask or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Okay. History is like a picture, it's like a statue, like a Michael Jackson statue. Uh, Hard. And that looked, I was like, yo, is this a statue? And like Thriller, obviously, you know what Thriller is. But, yeah. But basically going back to like, the, like the album cover thing is just like album covers are so, they make me move. Like and that's how I you know I design myself. Mm-hmm. I, that's probably how I got into like art too, like like design. It's like I was so intrigued with like content and like booklets and pamphlets and like print and like words and text. I just loved it and track lists, Just like like reading the back and like okay, it's like a trend in, in like R and B where everybody just spelled stuff wrong and like <laughs> to you like it was like two right. like number two you and like. Usher was, I feel like, L U L U V instead of L O V E. Like, stop that. Like, <laughs> let's grow up. <laughs> nah, that's so corny. I wish somebody would. Actually, I'm a victim to that. I have a song on my album called Together. You fell with the two? The number I, two? T W O. Oh, okay. Together. Okay. okay. But it, it make, it's, it's, in the line, it's in line with the song. It's okay. about divorce. Okay. And it's about a song about two people. By the way, we have, have you heard a song about divorce? So besides, besides Hollywood Divorce <laughs> by Wayne and like Outkast, but that's a great under three thousand verse. That is oh my. That gosh. is uh, one of the best under three thousand beats he's ever made. Yeah, he made he produces guys. Don't forget that under three thousand produces. I know he made that beat, bro. That's a great beat. Do you ever see Idlewild like the movie? Yep, it was pretty wild. <laughs> 
It was really like ridiculous, but it's amazing that they got the money to make it. Out of wow, it was wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly like kind of a fan. The, you know, off that, off that, like a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, one of the um, most like fierce, like gnarly, like like movie lines ever that I heard was on Idlewild. What part? It was like a pimp or something like that. I forget his name. He was like, he said, am I allowed to like cuss on here? Yeah, you can cuss. He said, I'm quoting. He's like, pussy and money. If God kept, if God knew anything better, he would keep them to himself. I was like, yo. <laughs> I was like, yo, man, that's rough. Yeah. That's like, I was shook up when I saw it, when I like saw it. I was like, that's <laughs> like with my family and stuff. Like, <laughs> it was like more rough to see a nudity. I was like, that's like a really rough, like. That's a raw line. Yeah, it was raw. Like in the bad and good sense at the same time. Like, <laughs> I was like yo, who wrote this? So, so, but yeah, that was like a little tangent. I love that movie. It was like, it was such a, such a cool movie. You know what song I feel like is really underrated? Talking about under three thousand is uh, you remember when Fonsworth Bentley had an album? Fonsworth Bentley has remember a song. The, remember called the song "Everybody"? Cool, outrageous lovers, lovers of, of uniquely, uniquely raw, raw sounds. sounds. Yeah, bro, that beat is the dopest You're beat. Talking about the and that and that Wayne's verse. Oh, the one with Wayne Pimp C. Check one, two. Oh, like Pimp C, bro. What, bro? What? <laughs> How did under three thousand pull that off? How do you? Yo, that was peak Wayne, peak Pimp C. Yeah, and you got what? Both of them. Both of them, bro. On one song. I love that song. But what were you going to say about Fonsworth? Well, he had, well, he had that other song with Andre 3000 and Kanye called Everybody. Yep. And the, Fire they, beat. They did a video for it, too, and they're all like dressed up, and they got mm-hmm. like a dance routine. I think Sarah produced that one. Sarah. Sarah. And um, Fonsworth Bentley was like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the, the Workout Plan remix where he had a verse? B-E-N-T-L-E-Y You know you better ask somebody What we gonna do is twerk that body All day at their fitness party like Yo, he, you know what he is, bro? Farnsworth Bentley is like a leprechaun of rap Yeah, that's such a great He's like super rare <laughs> He pops up randomly and it's just like good luck Yeah It's just like Farnsworth Bentley is never He's never brought like He's never brought a bad like vibe to anything That's so it's true It's just like Farnsworth Bentley appears yeah. It's like, what's Father Billy song? All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like in and out, bro. It's like crazy. B E N T L E Y. You ain't know you better. He used to write for people too. That's crazy. Father Billy's like, we don't deserve him. We don't deserve Father We don't deserve Will I Am either. Nah. As like, wild as he is, he's an underrated. Do you remember when he did the Sergio Mendez album? Bro, I. Underrated <laughs> album! The Baya Baya song, whatever it was. <sighs> Yo, I know that. I know that. He was like the first person ever to like, I remember to use Bali Funk. Yeah. He had a Bali Funk, he had like a Bali Funk loop and like, it was like a, it was like a section. It was like, it was like a, it was kind of like funky rock and it like broke. It's like, and then went into the song again. Like, you could have kept that. But we don't deserve, uh, we don't deserve, uh, who? Will I? Will I? Yeah. We don't deserve him. That Sergio Mendez album, is, for me, was like a classic of my high school years. Yeah. Because I grew up, my parents played a lot of like Brazilian music for me. My dad loves like Bossa Nova. Mm-hmm. And so like, that was like my bridge. I was like, all right, dad, you like Sergio Mendez. I like rap music. Guess what? Sergio is like, he's got rappers on his album now. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Check it out. That was a great album. Two face to face with undulating Talk to me about um, Robert Glasper. I heard about and Rob- Black Radio. I heard about Robert Glasper. I was in college, well into college. I'm good friends with Joe K from Selection, and he played that. He played a couple songs on Selection Radio. I was like. Robert Glasper, whoever I heard this from, Robert Glasper, Robert Glasper, thinking, like I had this dude's album, mm-hmm. had his album for, I don't know how long. I, I was given it, I was given this album by a friend of mine. His name is Steve Eflin. He's a drummer. I met him in, uh, I went to school in Kalamazoo, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, Western Michigan University. Crazy drummer. This dude, bro, he can play like anything, like a crazy white dude that just goes in like a crazy rhythm. But he gave he's like a jazz head. Like he mm-hmm. gave me like his whole jazz collection. And then that was in there. Like Weather Report, like Wayne Shorter and all that stuff. And like it was like Robert Glasper. Checked out Robert Glasper. 
uh, what's, what song is this? It goes like, I'm so bad with names. <laughs> it goes like, is it on Black Radio? Is it I think it Bilal's on that song. It's on Black Radio, the first one. Or the Black Radio 2. Black Radio is Black Radio 1. It's the first one. Stokely. Mm. Why do, why do we try? Why do we try was a song that I fell in love with. It was like just so weird. Like, what is this song? Comes on all awkward, goes in, and it just drops. It was like my, it was like the album I, I listened to all the way through when I went to my the first time I went to Australia. Mm-hmm. That flight was crazy, you know. Like listened to, it. I got inspired. Like that album, like uh, inspired me so much, creativity wise, content wise, like how to like obviously like Robert Glass was like he like makes compilations. He brings these people in and make music with them, and. Uh, that's what I want to do, you know? So, like, I want to, like, bring people in of all shapes, all voices, all, like, genres, and, like, just kind of marry everything together. He's doing that. Uh, Robert Glasper is, like, it's a successful artist when it comes to that. Um, genius. We don't deserve him either. <laughs> and you said this came into your life in college? Robert in co- Glasper? In, yeah, that album, that album came into my life in college. It was... Um, it was a it was a cool it was a cool time it was a time where I was going I was really going back and forth from Grand Rapids Michigan to Kalamazoo okay. driving snow how rain, long is that drive forty five minutes to an hour minutes. depending on you speeding <laughs> yeah but I would go see I would go back and see my wife Angela um, but we were, we were engaged and like dating at that point in time but it was like a back and forth thing we didn't live together a lot of people you know they you know they live together sometimes before they get married we didn't actually we just went from semi long distance relationship yeah. to like engaged and then married and then like got married and then moved <laughs> like now we're living together but that album was like the theme song of like my trips anytime I had a long trip that album was going on so that album kind of reminds you of your engaged life yeah my engaged life just it was very peaceful that one and and, and Ink uh, No World mm-hmm. that album came in my life a little earlier mm-hmm it was like before I, right before I got married in the summer before I got, I'm sorry, the summer before I got engaged. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like a, t- a point in time when my, my pops was like trying to figure out, because my mom and dad are divorced. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, it was a moment in time when he was trying to figure out what to do next. And he had a lot of conversations with me and my older brother about just like, so son, what do you want to do next? Like, what do you think I should do next? Or what, what, do, you see, what do you see me doing? So that album, uh, No World, was like, the soundtrack of like just that summer. It was like a. It wasn't a sad summer. It was just like a quiet summer. Mm-hmm. I was dating my. I was dating my wife at that time too. It was cool. It was like it was like a good summer for me, but it was like a pretty sucky summer for a lot of other people I knew. Mm-hmm. I was like a. I was like a. Like a consoler, I guess is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. You were a healer. I was a healer. Yeah. I was yeah. like that. That summer, I was just like talking. I was an ear to everybody. So like that album was like, I would play that album for people. Like listen to this album. You know those guys, they're um their lyrics you can't really make them out really. Yeah. It's just like You should check it out. And uh I too from Sonder, he's he showed me that. He showed me that album. That's cool. And he was like, yo, this is the best album I've ever heard in my life. Like it's up there. I'm like, really? <laughs> this is like when I would, I would go visit him in Detroit in Michigan. Yeah. And he was like, yo, you gotta listen to this. So I finally cause he's I too is like one of those guys. He'll tell you something. You gotta, you gotta listen to him, yeah. Because he he like won't t- he doesn't like a lot of things, right? He's like really picky, and like even with his own music, like he he even told me that he hated the Frank Ocean album. When it came out. <laughs> I was like, yo, Frank Ocean oh is fire, bro. Yeah. How are you gonna disrespect my man's like that? He's like, nah, it's not. It's not that good. It's not that good. And then you know, if he's listening, he probably like probably changed his mind after that. But he he's very picky. Very, he has a very picky ear, so like if he tells you, if he recommends something to you, mm-hmm. listen to it. That was a, that was a cool time of my life, man. I was an anchor for people, helping them out. Uh, and then the Robert Glasser album was like kind of like a icing on the cake of like mm-hmm. that whole year. Forget what year that was. <laughs> what what were you studying like in college at the time? I was studying graphic design. Okay. Uh, at that point in time, I was just going to class, doing my doing my uh, intern work, just working with clients. Keeping it moving. <laughs> what kind of stuff would you design like when you intern? One of my biggest works that I had to do was like I had to work on a series of poem books. Mm. Poem books? 
yeah. series of poems that ended up being like books. Books of poetry. Yeah, it was like a it was like a book like one like series one series one through five. I had to like design five series, and I had like f- five different clients, and they all had to like agree on it and how to be cohesive. And it was like a big packet that you bought on Amazon. You can buy it. I think I don't know where it is on Amazon. I forget the name of it, but I have I have all the books at my house. But okay. really really cool like stuff. Really cool stuff to like. Having you know your house on a coffee table so like poems. I'm I don't read poems like that. But <laughs> if, it, if I'm reading anything, the only thing I really truly read is like information. Gotcha. I like read like a book for dummies or something like that. Yeah. Like yo, we want to learn how to, you know, get your Bitcoin game up or like you know like you got Bitcoin for dummies at the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll read something like that. I'll read something like that. But I mean, I do like fiction and stuff. But it's art. But I, I when I'm reading something, I like to I like to learn. Yeah, I don't like to just have fun. If I'm gonna have fun, I just like watch a movie. Yeah, or like watch TV, which I don't really watch a lot of TV. I just play video games <laughs> and watch my son's shows. But, but yeah, that's why I was designing that. Um, obviously, you know, posters. I was designing my own stuff. I was touring mm-hmm. and like go, doing shows when I was in class and stuff. It was crazy. Like my professors didn't like they would think I, I was lying to get out of class. I'm glad I got college out of the way, but it was definitely kids uh, stay in stay in school. Yeah. College is a choice, so you don't have to go to college if you don't want to. Yeah. If you're going to go, stay there. <laughs> yeah. High school, public school, ain't no choice. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. If you want to like know and like be a functioning human in this world, you got to at least be taught somewhere. Yeah. Like home, at school, whatever. But college was more like a luxury. I feel like when I like listen to <clears throat> like your music, when I listen to like Sonder, when I listen to like Atu, Deepat... Mm-hmm. I feel like the two sounds I hear the most are not okay, not including like your ballet stuff. Mm-hmm. I the two sounds I hear the most are like Sade and Ink. Like when I listen to Ink, I really hear how it. I didn't know that Atu showed you that, but I totally hear it in his mm-hmm. music. Like it's very like moody mm-hmm. and like, uh, but at melodic at the same mm-hmm. time. So do you like is Ink? Is that something that you play when you're making your own music or? Is it just already in there? I kind of stopped listening to that album. Okay. I'm a like a. I'm like a one. I'm like I, I give albums. I treat albums like books. Okay. I listen to Pepper Butterfly twice. Yep. I listen to Damn once. I'm just using Kendrick's Kendrick's example because like it just makes sense to me right now. So like, I sit at the table. I listen to halfway. I didn't hear the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like that person. I my attention span is short, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm willing to sit down with albums. I just gotta. I listen to albums out of out of order. I'm like that. I just don't care about like like details. Like mm-hmm. when it comes to music, I just like care about like does it sound good? All right, does it make me feel good? Cool. Next, <laughs> I got that lesson. Cool. Like you get what it's about. Like you get it. Um, very rarely do I like sit with albums that I I keep. Mm-hmm. Even the ones I love, they like fall out. Mm-hmm. I'm not obsessive over yeah. music. I I treat music as like as like tools mm-hmm. like oh, this is great like you, you what if how would you feel if you like watched stranger things mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over and over you only need to listen, watch it once really. and over and over and over and like yo and then like you're like i need to watch this episode again yeah like all right cool you, we get it but it's not this it's not as the same as film compared to music but mm-hmm. the concept is that I got the idea. It took me a couple times to get it. You got the information. I got the information, and now it's time to move on to something they may they may have next. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I don't like it. It's just I need to get around to it. You know, Ink is somebody. Those guys, they're somebody I do listen to, but not anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Everyone, I feel like everyone's relationship with music is different. Mm-hmm. Like even if it's even if you're like a total music junkie, yeah, like we are. Like I feel like. The way that we all consume it's just like it's such like a personality based thing so mm-hmm. it's interesting it's really interesting yeah it is okay last two things first of all tell me your memphis theory my memphis theory is actually my memphis theory can can graduate to my jamaica theory okay i'll start with jamaica first okay jamaica i'll say this i'll say this bold statement jamaica is responsible for all western music responsible Solely responsible. Why? Well, hip hop hip hop was started in New York by Jamaicans. Yep. By toasting on music mm-hmm. that they, but toasting on like toasting rapping, mm-hmm. give or take same same phrase. Toasting on you know on dub beats. Dub went to 
London, the uh, Jamaican diaspora from Jamaica to London, they had their own, st- they had their own sound. They had, they brought dub there and dubstep created EDM, created house, created all this stuff. It's house music graduated and moved on to like two step garage mm-hmm. techno, all the other stuff that UK owns. Mm-hmm. That's their West. That's like, that's like as far as Western they can go in the States. You had people from Louisiana, you had people from, you know, the South. They did blues. Mm-hmm. How do you think blues got there? Well, majority of the slaves were given back and forth from Haiti, from Jamaica, from the, from the islands back and forth to... Because uh, I'll put this thing in your mind. Okay. Slaves from the United States were limited with instruments. Mm-hmm. We only had our voice. Mm-hmm. That's why gospel was born in the States. Mm-hmm. You, go to, you go to Brazil, they have Pagogi... They have samba, they have bossa nova, because the slaves were allowed to still do the music that they always done. Jamaica has their own. It was similar to the states, but Jamaica had their own. They had their own country. It's a small island, so mm-hmm. at one point, at one point or another, you st- it's going to be outnumbered. Yep. It's like from one white man to like hundreds of black people, you're outnumbered. You're gonna they're gonna keep their they keep it. So, in in the states, it's different. It was. The ratio was kind of different, like lay, way less black people and more white people. So mm-hmm. they really came down on, on slaves, especially in, in my ancestors, and limited limited them. And only we were only given the voice, which is gospel music, like I said. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I say Jamaica is responsible for Western music is because through slavery, limit come limitations, come comes comes things doing things through secrecy, doing things where you can't be shown. You had to do things through, like for example, Capoeira. Mm-hmm. Was born because there were, it was dance, it was a fighting thing. Mm-hmm. So, they, so if you're trying to fight, you're trying to fight, I guess like slave or revolt and stuff. Somebody, a slave owner might think you're dancing. Who's this guy? Look at this guy. Look at this guy dancing. Mm-hmm. Oh, he might kick you. I'm like, he's gonna kick me. This is Capoeira. Or for example, you got him Bible hymns. You know, they're, you know, people. They're really, they're slaves in the states were really scared to, to read. Mm-hmm. They knew how to read and be. They want to. They, they want to find, be found out reading. So they would sing. Mm. So these songs. They would somewhat a smart a smart slave. All slaves. All slaves are smart, by the way. Had but to be. Slaves were uh, slaves in the states. If there was a slave that read, mm-hmm. he or she would turn it into a song, so they can learn these hymns. Memorize and, it by singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so no one's. So it's just singing. Oh, they're singing. Right. But they're actually actually like reading the Bible. They're actually like rememorizing these things. Mm-hmm. So throughout history, Jamaica and its diaspora has inadvertently touched society and its music. Don't get me wrong, like rock and roll started in the States by black people. Blue started in the States by black people. But mm-hmm. at one point in time, it touched Jamaica. It, Jamaicans has t- have touched it mm-hmm. and ended up growing into this big bubble of westernized music of that we created as black people. Yep. Um which goes into the future into like a little later into like southern southern hip hop mm-hmm. and southern hip hop I think the mecca is Memphis because Memphis birthed trap music. They they birthed the hi-hat roll, the 808 hi-hat roll. Yep. That's trap music and T. You yep. don't have to, you don't have a hi-hat roll. You just got 808s. Mm-hmm. And now that's just techno, because tech, techno uses 808s, yep. not 09s. Um, so, but the hi-hat roll was something else. And a, and a, a sub, a clap, or a snare, a clav, snare roll, or a hi-hat roll, and there you have it. That's trap music. And Memphis started that first, 100%. What's your favorite 3-6 Mafia song? Or name, name a 3-6 Mafia song that you like. Um... I would say, I don't know, dude. Because Three Six Mafia, I didn't. I wasn't really allowed to listen to them. Yeah. Because my mom thought their name was crazy. Yeah, of course. So I listened to what it was on the radio by them. Yeah. I would say my favorite Three Six Mafia song is "Pop in My Car." That's a great song. It's a beautiful song. Because it sounds like what? It sounds like untouched Southern hip hop. Yep. The samples. It's the samples. You know, Boom Bap. Boom Bap is very East Coast, very soulful, very like brick, like hard East Coast music. Mm-hmm. Whatever Big Crit is doing, and like Outkast did, and A by MJG did, that's Southern Boom Bap. That's like traditional Southern music, and it's like true right. to his roots. Right. So like, that's 
that's like top of the line, like Southern rap. When I was in high school, my favorite Ghetto Boys six, too. Oh yeah, Ghetto Boys too. Um, my favorite Three Six Mafia song in high school was uh, Riding Spinners. But I remember I was jamming that song so hard. Um, side note: I spent a summer's worth of lifeguarding money putting a system in my trunk. That was a great like song driving system in your car. Um, but I didn't see the video for that song until like months after I discovered the song itself. And the video for the song, obviously, first of all, is amazing because it has spinning rims. But has the intro is a different Three Six Mafia song called "Test of My Gangster," and it has like a it's like Isaac Hayes, like a Willie Hutch sample. Mm-hmm. It's like, bum, 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 bum. and then the beat comes in. It's like, um, I come from a city where they love to hate, especially on the triple six. And the radio even help them. I don't know. It, they, their music sounds like, uh, it's like I see it when I hear it. Like yeah. I didn't even have to see the videos to yeah. know what yeah. what it was gonna look like. You know what I mean? Definitely. You know what's you know what's interesting about those guys, or actually the Spinner song. I'm not sure if I'm tripping, but they had a sample. They had the they had a um, oh, bro, who's that? Oh my gosh, I'm N W A Easy E sample on that yes. song. He was once a thug from around the way, and then they sampled to. Yeah, but they they yeah. chopped it up. Yeah, they chopped it and up, it, and it just sounded like some weird stuff. They didn't. They that song would have been fine without it. Yeah, but it's the fact that they included to put it in. That's very that, that's very Jamaican. Yeah, Jam- Jamaicans they they add a lot of just vocal weird chops. That's, that's I'm a good trying to think of an example. Uh, um, this is like this famous sound effect that a lot of a lot of rappers use in beats. It goes like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Jamaican. That's totally Jamaican. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know that sound effect, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. pretty much like weird, like peculiar sounds like that. Yeah. That's very, uh, it just adds texture to it. It's another layer for texture. Yep. That's, uh, yeah, that's a brilliant song. <laughs> I remember that whole summer I was just like, my, I showed my dad the video Mm-hmm. And he would like call me if he if he was just out in Houston and mm-hmm. he saw because everyone in Houston at the time had spinners because of that song. Mm-hmm. So my dad was just driving around and he would see one. This is before Facetime. He would just call me and he'd be like, "Son, I just saw some spinners," and I would freak out. I was like, "Oh, my dad loves rap music. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, dude. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it. having me. Man. Appreciate it. It was a, it was an honor. It was mm-hmm. a privilege. I feel honored because shoot, man, for you guys to come to me. You know, in my city, Seattle, and just like show love like this, and like that's like yo, that's a, that's a gesture right there. So appreciate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you're this is like bucket list for me. So mm-hmm. thank you, man. How cool was that to hear some of Sango's first ever remixes, and the fact that it was Daft Punk too, which is much different than the baile funk he's come to be known for. Um, one thing I really related to was his story about figuring out that all his favorite rap songs were produced by Dilla like way after he started listening to them. I had the exact same moment and it was also through David aka Deepat. Our freshman year of college he gave me like the Roots discography and a bunch of other rap albums and I would jam them so hard. My, my favorite Roots song was Dynamite for example. My favorite Tribe Called Quest song for a little while was The Jam. And it wasn't until several years later into college that one of my friends was like, yeah, you know Dilla produced all those, right? And I was like, who's Dilla? And then, I, and then my life was changed forever. So yeah, so big shout out to Sango. Uh, thank you for giving us your time and for letting us peek into your world a little bit. Uh, and we'll catch you next time we come to Seattle, man. All right, y'all. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Nostalgia Mixtape. This particular episode was recorded by Jasmine Chen and produced by Jason Crow and hosted by yours truly, Samantha Shroud. Catch you next time.
Don't be